If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you. Senator, this show is going to be one that is going to irritate a lot of people. The Biden new rule that he wants to put on the American people will redistribute high-risk loans, and that will cost homeowners with good credit more money to get a loan. In translation, what he wants to do is give a bonus, reward bad credit, bad credit scores, and then those that have good credit will pay a higher interest rate. This isn't a joke. This is redistribution of a new way of doing it, I guess you could say, Senator, with wealth. Your reaction? Well, it's even worse than that. So this is a proposed rule that has come from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are government-sponsored entities that purchase mortgages, and they have an enormous impact, a dominant impact in the home mortgage market. And under Joe Biden, they've rolled out new rules. And the new rules do, do two things. Number one, they benefit you if you have a low credit score. So if your credit score is bad, if you've defaulted on uh, rent payments, if you defaulted on your mortgage before, if you fail to pay credit cards, if you have a low credit score, your credit is cheaper. And then the flip side is, if you've been responsible, if you've done the good work of paying your bills, If you paid your rent on time, if you've had a home and you paid your mortgage on time, if you've had credit cards and you paid them off, they penalize you. They charge you more if you have a good credit score. Now, it gets even dumber than that. If not only do you have a good credit score, but you've actually been responsible, you've saved, you put money in the bank, and you're putting down a 20% down payment, they jack your fees up even higher. They charge you more. And I, I got to say, look, I, I've actually found in, in the last two weeks, I've had multiple people come up to me in, in conversations and raise this with me because this is infuriating. This is asinine. O- on, the, on the one side, on the subsidizing people who have lousy credit scores, giving them cheaper loans even though their credit scores are lousy. What that is going to produce is that is going to produce another 2008 housing crisis. What this is is the Biden administration trying to convince people with low incomes, with bad credit, without the ability to pay a big monthly bill, 
to nonetheless take out mortgages and to take out mortgages for more than they can afford. And we know they're going to end up defaulting on those mortgages. That's what a, a low credit score means. That's what you don't want people taking out a mortgage that is too big for their income. But if you are a Joe Biden naive socialist, it sounds great to you. Hey, let's encourage these guys, get them in a McMansion, and then, well, if they can't pay pay their mortgage, oh, well, we'll deal with that then. But the flip side of it, I, I want everyone sitting here listening to think about this. Have you been responsible? Have, have you built up a good credit score? When you're buying a home, have you saved money so that you have money for a down payment? In any normal world, if, if you have a down payment, your fees are lower. If you don't have a down payment, you pay a lot higher. Why? Because it's much, much riskier. If you're getting a mortgage with no down payment, the odds are much higher that you'll default and the bank will lose their money. Well, the Biden administration, to give you a sense of this, the rule they announced would charge home buyers with credit scores of a 680 or more, an extra $40 a month on home loans of $400,000 or more. That is insane, and welcome to bizarro world of the socialist wanting to penalize you for doing the right thing. You know, one of the things that's so amazing is this is being done at a time when interest rates for mortgages have roughly doubled yes. over the past year. Uh, I know how much I saved when I bought my first house. And I bought yeah. my first house at the courthouse steps in foreclosure, trying to make a good financial decision. I remember uh, sacrificing to get that credit score to the highest number I could get so I could get that loan. I remember the rules of what they said to yeah. do and don't do and don't open up any type of credit card. Don't open up any line of credit. Don't go out and buy a car. Don't go out and do this because home ownership, I believe, shouldn't be easy as going out and buying a value meal at McDonald's. I think there's responsibility that comes with it. Most Americans would agree. You go back to 2008, which you mentioned, Senator. In 2008, you could walk in and you could get a loan by just putting your name on a piece of paper and, and just telling somebody what your income was without even having to verify it in many cases. And that's what caused that housing crisis. It's like they didn't learn their lesson, and it's a quick way to buy some votes by saying, look what we did for you. We rewarded your bad behavior, and we rewarded your failure with a lower interest rate, so vote for us. Look, that's exactly right. And the results of this are, are, are really significant. Um, the interest rates are actually even worse than that. So when Joe Biden became president, the average home mortgage interest rates were between 2 and 2.5%. Two and a, a year ago, the 30-year mortgage rate was 5%. Right now, the average 30-year mortgage rate is 6.27%. So think about that journey. It went from 2.5% before Biden became president to 6.27% now. That is crushing already. And, and now they're coming in and artificially saying, if you have a down payment, we're going to punish you. If you have good credit, we're going to punish you. And let me give you some math on that. So beforehand, 
a borrower with a 700 credit score and a 20% down payment would have paid an up upfront fee equal to 1.25% of the loan amount. That is, let's say on a $300,000 loan, that's $3,750. Now, because you have good credit, because you have a down payment, your fee has risen from 1.25% to 1.375%. Or in other words, if you're taking a $300,000 loan, it's gone from $3,750 to $4,125. They are punishing you because you did the right thing, and in turn, they're subsidizing you uh, if you did not do the right thing. Yeah, and in other words, they're forcing people that are responsible with good credit to pay more for their mortgages so that you can subsidize those who are higher risk borrowers and they say that is good for this country. I don't know how anyone can think rewarding bad behavior is a good thing, yet here is what the Democratic Party is doing. And I want to ask you about what this is rooted in, Senator, because there's a lot of people that look at this and they think to themselves, this sounds a whole lot like socialism. Before I get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Chalk. If you are a guy and you feel like you've been losing some of your edge and you want to choose strength and vitality over weakness, complacency, if you just feel like you've lost a little bit and you just now feel exhausted all the time, the problem is men's testosterone levels are off a cliff historically. They're at all-time lows. Thankfully, Chalk are here to help real men just like you take back their right to Proudly maximize your masculinity by boosting your testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. Now, Chalk, CHOQ.com, manufactured right here in the U.S. of A. Chalk's natural herbal supplements are clinically proven to have game-changing effects on your energy, your focus, your mood. I can tell you, I've been taking Chalk now for a couple months, and they can help boost your testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. So don't give up. Don't just say this is the new normal. Go back to how you felt before. Maximize your masculinity today at chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com. Use the code BEN, and you're going to get 35% off any Chalk subscription for life. Check out the Male Vitality Stack. I've been taking it now for two months. Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com, promo code BEN. Senator, I want to get back to this idea of socialism. When, when you start taking from the responsible, not even the rich, we're just talking about responsible homeowners, and you start taking from and penalizing responsibility to then, quote, level the playing field, you're bringing everyone down into the same group and putting everybody's loans at risks at a much higher risk of failure when you do this. We know this from 2008 housing bubble that many people live through. And there's people say this is basically what socialism is. Look, it's exactly what socialism is. And, and it's, it is the pattern of the left wing. It is the pattern of the Biden administration. You look at the pandemic where Democrats paid massive amounts in unemployment benefits. And, and, and you want to really see the difference in the middle of the pandemic. I introduced an amendment to cap unemployment benefits at whatever your salary was in your prior job. And I, and I stood up on the Senate floor and I argued, look, lots of people have lost their jobs, many of them not their fault. 
it makes sense to provide enhanced benefits for a limited period of time. But people should not get a pay raise because they lost their job. So we should cap unemployment benefits at whatever they were making the day before they lost their job. Now, on the other side, Dick Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, stood up and argued on the other side. And, and actually, if, if you go Google and listen to this debate, it captures much of the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Because Dick Durbin made, made it a, a morality play. He stood up and said, see, see, that's the problem. What Ted is saying is if you lost your job due to the COVID pandemic, you're a lazy bum. You just want to sit on your couch. You're just a reprobate. And I actually got up in response and I said, well, no, 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 that is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I believe in incentives. I think people respond to incentives and I want good incentives and not bad incentives. And I said, for example, if you're a single mom, you've got a couple of kids and the government steps in and says, we will pay you twice as much not to work as you can make working. I believe you love your kids. I believe you're going to make the decisions you think are best for your kids. And so if the government pays you twice as much not to work as to work, you're going to stay home. But the problem is that's really bad for you. That's really bad for your kids. And that's really bad for the country as millions and millions of people do that. We voted on the Senate floor and Ben, it was a straight party line vote. The D's all lined up behind Durbin. The R's all lined up behind me. And so it failed. And during COVID, the federal government paid people, in many instances, double or even triple what they made in their jobs not to work. And I got to tell you, as I talk to business owners in Texas, and I do so every week, over and over again, they raise the problem that they can't find qualified workers because the government has been paying people not to work for so long. Here's a radical concept. If you pay people not to work, they don't work. Yeah. The same principle yeah. here is true. If you penalize people for being fiscally responsible, for having the discipline to build a good credit score, for saving to have a down payment, all of which, look, with our kids, we'd advise them to do that. That's fiscally prudent. If you penalize them for doing that, on the other hand, if you reward them and subsidize them for being fiscally irresponsible, you know what? You get more of the bad stuff and less of the good stuff. Last question on this, and it goes back to something we, we talked about on the podcast a couple episodes ago, and it was it, it was the shocking lack of oversight with what happened with Silicon Valley Bank and the fact that this new rules were made out of thin air to protect large depositors at these banks. If you now do this with mortgages, is this not going to squeeze out community banks and smaller banks with these types of risks that you're asking them to take because what you're saying is hey we're we're, we're basically telling you you got to start taking risky loans again which is exactly what happened in 08 they're going to be subsidized by less less risky loans with higher credit scores that is a lot for a smaller bank and community banks to take on what's the government's response going to be to that well that problem is less acute than you might think, because the way home mortgages tend to work is that a community bank, a local savings and loan, will issue a, a home mortgage, and they promptly will turn around and sell it on the secondary market. Uh, 
And so for most of these local banks, they don't keep the mortgages on their books. They sell them fairly quickly. Now, what happened in 2008 is they would sell those home mortgages, and then Wall Street banks would package up the mortgages. They would slice them up into derivative products, and so there was trillions of dollars invested in the home mortgage market, and they created all of these esoteric financial products that were based on mortgages in the secondary market. And it was based on this really naive assumption that, number one, nobody's going to default on their mortgage. And number two, that home values will always go up and up and up. It was basically a Ponzi scheme. It worked as long as your home value was more this year than last year and was going to be even more next year than, than the year before. Suddenly, when, when home values hit a pause, or in many markets when home values went down, people began walking away from their mortgages. People were underwater on their mortgage. They owed more on the house than it was worth, and they left. And that produced a cascading cycle of defaults, which in turn destroyed major banks on Wall Street because by creating these credit derivatives, they amplified the risk to an enormous extent. And so doing this imposes systemic risk on the financial system and on the banking system, but it is less the dynamic of the local community banks being being subject to it and more the overall financial system. But look, if you're a socialist, if you're Elizabeth Warren, you don't care because if there's another financial wipeout, the federal government will step in and print a few trillion dollars and just bail everyone out again. Uh, socialists believe that there's no limit to how much money you print and that the government can always bail people out. And, and it's amazing. This policy, I got to admit, this policy pisses me off. And it pisses me off not only because they're repeating the mistakes of the past. They, they are encouraging people to take out mortgages they cannot afford, which puts them much more likely in a position to default. But the flip side, the idea that you're punishing people for doing the right thing and being responsible, it's asinine. And, and, and I challenge, look, this podcast, we have lots of people who listen to it. We have lots of young people who listen to it. I want to encourage everyone who's in high school, everyone who's in college, we have a lot of high school and college kids that listen to this podcast. Raise it with your classmates. You think this is a good idea? If you're a teacher, if you're a high school teacher, if you're a junior high teacher, if you're a college professor, raise it with your students. What do you think? What do you think? Person A paid their bills on time, was really responsible, built up a good credit score, saved money, had a down payment. The Biden administration is going to charge that person much more for their mortgage. Then person B who went out and partied like crazy, never saved any money, failed to pay their bills, failed to pay their credit cards, defaulted on their mortgage, defaulted on their rent. They get a much cheaper mortgage than the person who was responsible. And, and look, I don't know how you defend this in any group of ordinary people. It is asinine and it shows this is what socialism is. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, 
Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Senator, I also want to get to something else. Uh, Jennifer Granholm says that... that uh, she supports now, and this goes back to indoctrination. It's very much like the loans we were just talking about, but this is now about requiring the U.S. military to adopt an all-electric vehicle fleet by 2030. Before I do that, though, let me tell you uh, about our friends over at Augusta Precious Metals. How would you like to get your hands on a free pure gold coin? You can just learning about how a gold IRA can protect you. That's right. My friends, Augusta Precious Metals want to sit down with you, want to talk to you about how a gold IRA can help you protect your hard-earned dollars, protect your assets, protect your wealth. If you've been stressing out over the economy, inflation, the bank failures, this is the time that you should sit down and talk about what gold and silver can do for you. They help you set up that gold IRA to protect your retirement savings because you know that it is very hard to make up losses, especially at the end when you're in retirement. And get this, if you have $100,000 plus save for retirement, Augusta will actually pay you in pure gold to learn how a gold IRA can protect you. That's a big deal, a pure gold coin for free. Reach out to Augusta Precious Metals today and get started with gold. Don't let the bank failures get you down. Get this free gold and get some peace of mind. 877-4-GOLD-I-R-A to learn how to protect your retirement and get your free gold coin. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Call them, 877-4-GOLD-I-R-A. Senator, uh, you, you listened to Secretary Granholm. You, you and I played this earlier, and it's mind-blowing the idea that our U.S. military would be forced to adopt a woke green energy policy on an all-electric vehicle fleet by 2030. But that's exactly what she has now called for before Congress. Here it is. Support the military adopting that EV fleet by 2030? I do, and I think we can get there as well. And I do think that reducing our reliance on the volatility of globally traded fossil fuels, where we know that global events such as the war in Ukraine can jack up prices for people back home, it, it uh, does not contribute to energy security. I think energy security is achieved when we have homegrown clean energy that is abundant, like you see mm -hmm. in Iowa. We think that we can uh, be a leader globally in how we have become energy independent. All right. 
I'm going to ask you some questions, Senator, that I know the answers to, but many people listening are going to want answers to these same questions that I had to figure it out. All right. Number one, if we're going to war, let's say in the Middle East, let's say Afghanistan, and we show up with a bunch of electric vehicles, where are we going to charge those vehicles and how much of a risk could this be to our military readiness around the world? Or is this just only a kumbaya story in America alone? And then if we actually have to go out and fight a war, we'll go back to gas cars. So listen, we're not. And, and, and this is an example of how the modern left, the, these are not serious people. These are not people who are rational. These are not people who live on planet Earth. What Jennifer Granholm, and she is the U.S. Secretary of Energy. She's supposed to know something about this. She's not just supposed to be, gosh, I think we'll all be on windmills. She's actually supposed to have substantive knowledge about this. What she just said is so idiotic and asinine that it really defies, <laughs> defies words. Okay, 2030. Today is 2023. That would be seven years from now. 2030, she wants the entire military fleet electric. So let's figure out how that works. Let's say we're in a shooting war in, say, Ukraine, and our tanks are all electric. What the hell do you do when they run out of a charge? Do do you ask Putin, hey, hey, Vladimir, would you mind setting up charging stations every 100, 100 miles? Because we'd like to have a bunch of tanks in theater, and if they run out of charge, we're screwed. Or, or maybe China, may, maybe she and China. If we're in a battle dealing with China and we've got, I guess, our ships that are all electric, we've got our helicopters that are all electric, we've got our F-35s that are all electric. Mind you, how the hell that is that going to be? She wants our entire fleet electric. Listen, I've been to the F-35 plant, plant in, in Fort Worth, Texas. The plan is a mile long. It's spectacular to watch how they assemble F-35s. Apparently, the Biden administration believes those will be all electric, that you'll land your F-35 at a Walmart and just plug into the the outlet there. Like, this is not even... Is it fair to say it's not even even remotely doable or logistic? I mean, how many charging stations are there in Iraq? Are, are in Afghanistan. No person who's serious believes this is anything other than stupidity. Yeah. Like, this is like, this is the this is the kid this is the Easter Bunny Santa Claus, except they're trying to use that and put it with the US military adopting an all electric vehicle. It's thing. actually a good example. Yeah, the, the Easter Bunny will just go smite our enemies. L- l- like there's no technological path for this. This makes no sense. But this is the modern left. When you ask the modern left, the people who likes the Green New Deal. They, they want to get rid of jet fuel. Okay, well, how are planes going to fly? I, I don't know. I, I guess, you know, you put a windmill in the front of the plane. Like, and, and let's be clear. Our servicemen and women are depending upon our equipment to keep them safe. Let's say you're a tank commander. These morons want you to drive an electric tank. What do you do? When you're headed through Iraq, when you're headed through Afghanistan, when you're headed through Ukraine, when you're headed through Taiwan, in your tank, and you run out of charge. Like, look, we won World War One, We won World War Two using diesel. Well, and and you know, imagine, part- imagine Afghanistan. The, the, you had these 
quick action response teams. Can you imagine if a quick action response team gets a call to go out and either get an asset to grab a guy like Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, for example, the national mastermind of 9-11, they're like, well, hold on. We're at a 33% charge on our Humvees. We're going to have to wait another two hours for this yep. thing to charge. And it's one of the things, actually, that, that I found very interesting. So I've been in the Senate now 11 years. I spent six years on the Senate Armed Services Committee. One of the massive advantages of the American military compared to any other military on Earth is logistics. We are really damn good at logistics. When you're fighting a war, moving personnel, moving equipment, moving ammunition, moving fuel, getting it forward projected to be able to be engaged in theater is really damn complicated. Why is it that the Russians are getting their ass kicked right now in Ukraine? Part of it is because the Russians are really bad at this. They're sending their troops forward and they're having trouble getting the equipment they're needing. They're having trouble getting the fuel they need. They're having trouble getting the ammunition they need. The U.S. military is spectacularly good at this. But if these are electric weapons, what are you going to do? You're in the middle of Afghanistan. Go get a 500-mile-long extension cord? It's idiotic. And... Look, Jennifer Granholm, you know, if she were just a TV pundit saying, well, gosh, this sounds wonderful. Okay, that would be silly, but it would not be consequential. She actually has a position Joe Biden has given her that is very consequential. She is the United States Secretary of Energy, and she believes in seven years the military We'll just plug everything in and be just fine to keep our men and women safe. That doesn't make any sense. No, it really doesn't. Finally, I want to talk about something that every parent needs to be paying attention to, especially with the upcoming elections. Uh, and that is the left really coming after our kids. Uh, this happening in a Vermont elementary school now. They're calling boys and men slash, quote, a person who produces sperm. This is what they're now teaching your kids in elementary school. We also, at the same time, Senator, have a Project Veritas undercover report that's coming out, or that has come out, I should say, revealing how the medical industry looks at transition surgeries. 100% from a profit perspective. There was a doctor and a family medical medicine specialist at St. Mark's Institute of, um, for Mental Health in New York that was caught on camera saying, we've got kids coming all the time dealing with mental health issues, and instead of treating their mental health, what we're doing is we're telling them they should just transition, and then we're making money off of people with mental health issues. It is disgusting to see this happening uh, in this country, and you're trying to help stop some of this. Well, that's exactly right. You know, there's a thread, Ben, between the three stories we're discussing. All three of them are asinine leftists. Y you look at woke school districts. So, so there's a district in Vermont, the Essex-Westford School District. On April 20th, they sent out a letter. Dear fifth grade families and caregivers. So this is to fifth graders. This is elementary school. Um, and the letter says, among other things, in an effort to align our curriculum with our equity policy, 
teachers will be using gender-inclusive language throughout this unit. With any differences, we strive to use person-first language as best practice. You will see examples of this below. We will be using the following language with students. Person who produces sperm in place of boy, male, and assigned male at birth. And person who produces eggs in place of girl, female, and assigned female at birth. So, among other things, understand, like the ridiculous phrasing that leftists had adopted like 12 minutes ago of assigned male at birth and assigned female at birth, that's no longer woke enough. Like, even assigned male doesn't exist, female doesn't exist in these bizarre worlds they live in. Person who produces sperm. By the way, let me ask you, you've got little boys. You've got boys who are pre-puberty. Boys who are pre-puberty are not producing sperm. What the hell are they in this language? Like, on that definition, you're not allowed to say boy. So a three-year-old, a three-year-old's not producing sperm. They haven't hit puberty. And yet, and by the way, these are letters going to fifth graders, some of whom will have hit puberty, some of whom will have not. A person who produces eggs, it, it is... It is so extreme and idiotic. And this, these are the people in charge of educating our little kids. Yeah, you indoctrinate them to believe this stuff. And then the scary part is if you can move them to that and then you can convince them that it's normal to want to change your sex, there is massive money to be made. We saw this in those tapes that came out from Vanderbilt university where they were talking about the biggest perk of having a kid go through transitioning and hormones and everything else is that you get a lifetime patient worth hundreds of thousands and then into the millions of dollars you now look at this project veritas video and i want to play part of this because i think it's really important for people to hear just how sick it's not even cynical just how sick these people are knowing they're taking advantage of people with mental health issues and using them to to line their pockets with massive amounts uh, of medical bill dollars that are coming into them and they know they have that patient, their words, forever. Before I play that, I want to tell you real quick about our good friends at Patriot Mobile. If you're a conservative and you're sick and tired of giving your money to companies that go against your values, that don't align with your, value, align with your values, then you need to check out Patriot Mobile. For years, big mobile companies have been uh, dumping millions into leftist causes, and we just had to deal with it because you needed a cell phone. Not anymore. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offering dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks so you get the best possible service in your area without the woke propaganda pushed by the leftists working hard to destroy this country. Big Mobile, you don't have to give them your money anymore. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military, veterans, and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy, whether it's for you, your family, or even your small business. All you got to do is go to PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. Or call them, 878-PATRIOT, make that switch. 878-PATRIOT, 
878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code FERGUSON and ask about their coverage guarantee while you're chatting with them. PatriotMobile.com slash Ferguson. Senator, I want to play this audio again. Undercover video, amazing from Project Veritas. The voice you're going to hear first is of Dr. Matthew Pabas. He is a family medicine specialist with St. Mark's Institute for Mental Health in New York, New York. Here's what he had to say about a 21-year-old that came to see them and how much money they could make off of him. Still going to, to mail, and they would continue, you'd have to, you'd continuously take testosterone pretty well the rest of their life. It's almost like uh, she'll be a patient for life. Yeah, in the beginning, it's a lot of doctor visits, but you know, after a while, you space it out, and it's like every six to twelve months. Um, which, yeah, is being a, a patient, but doesn't seem so bad. I was under the impression that I was going to take a cure and be healed, and I didn't understand as a mentally ill child that I was signing up for lifelong medicalization. So- that woman you just heard there, that man, that transitional woman, is now an advocate. And you just heard her, what she said. I'm dealing with a mental health issue, and I was told that if I went through the transition, I would then be cured, and that didn't happen. Now you're going to hear Nora Scott, Scott, who's a licensed social worker with Adele Children's Medical Center in Austin, Texas. Listen. I can say from here as well, there's a lot of our folks that are He is getting his vagina next week. Came here for mental health, and now we're going to give him, in his words, a vagina. You heard them talking about taking advantage of people on the spectrum and people that are on the spectrum. This is in Austin saying, yeah, this, these are great patients for us. They're on the spectrum. In other words, we can manipulate them and tell them to go through a transition. We have a patient for life. That was three different people you heard there, three different areas of the country all saying the same thing. You want a patient for life? Don't worry about their mental health. Just get them into transgender, all this dysphoria stuff, and we'll make money. Look, this this is utterly perverse. It it is horrifying. It's big business. You're right that that that, that many of these hospitals are making millions of dollars from this. There are enormous financial incentives, and and I got to say, as as part of that Project Veritas expose, as they were interviewing with Dell Children's Medical Center, um, listen, Dell Children's Medical Center is an amazing children's hospital in Austin, Texas. Heidi and I used to live in Austin. I've been to Dell Children's. Our girls have been to Dell Children's. It's a great facility. In the course of that Project Veritas interview, the individual at Dell Children's Center said they will prescribe puberty blockers for children as young as eight years old. Eight. Uh, And so just this week, uh, I joined with Chip Roy, a member of the House of Representatives, a very good friend of mine who represents that area. The two of us together sent an oversight letter 
to Dell Children's Hospital asking about this policy of giving puberty blockers to children as young as eight years old, stopping them from the onset of puberty. Now, I guess in the Vermont public schools, it would mean they never become boys or they never become girls because you stop them from producing sperm or producing eggs. But it, it is remarkable and, and, and that as young as eight, they're willing to give permanently harmful medical treatment, treatment that can sterilize kids, that can permanently damage kids. And a few years later, uh, many places are willing to engage in surgical operations to remove perfectly healthy organs, to castrate a child, to sterilize a child. And, and, and I'm going to say as a categorical matter, no child, no 8-year-old, no 10-year-old, no 12-year-old, has the maturity, has the self-awareness to make a decision to sterilize themselves for the rest of their lives. And, and I think any parent who does that, any doctor who does that, any hospital who does that is engaged in child abuse. If an adult wants to sterilize himself or herself, that's a choice an adult can make. But an eight-year-old child doesn't have the capacity to make that judgment, an informed judgment, and any adult that facilitates sterilizing that child, I, I, I think is horrific. You have no right to sterilize a little boy, sterilize a little girl, and, and if that child decides later that he or she still wants to be a he or she, there ain't no going back once they've cut it off, once they've engaged in the, the medical treatments, the puberty suppressors, the surgical options, once that individual is sterilized, once that child is sterilized, he or she will never have children. Is this ending up a Republican v. Democrat issue, or are there Democrats that you've talked to that are willing to see this for what this is, which is just pure evil that needs to be stopped, that's being done to these children, you can hear it. It's all about the cash. It's all about the money. It's it's about taking advantage of people on the spectrum, taking advantage of people with mental health issues, and profiting from their uh, their mental health issues that they need to actually get treatment for. Well, Ben, I think there's a distinction on that. There are lots of Democrats in America who are horrified about this. Ordinary people, if you're living a life, if you're an ordinary person, if you happen to be a Democrat, you hear people talking about sterilizing eight-year-olds, and an ordinary person is horrified. That's the natural reaction to that. But here's the sad thing. If there is a single elected Democrat in Congress who is horrified by this, I don't know who they are, and none of them are willing to speak out. This is where congressional Democrats, they've gone to the extreme left. There used to be moderate Democrats in Washington. There aren't anymore. And the dynamics, if you're an elected Democrat in Congress, you are responsive to the extremes, to the radical fringe. And so I literally cannot tell you a single Democrat senator, a single Democrat House member, who has had the cajones, and by the way, 
Maybe you do or don't have cojones. Maybe they are or are not producing what makes you male or female in this weird Orwellian world. But I don't know of a Democrat who's dared speak out against this. Yeah, it's truly a sad uh, subject, and I hope more Democrats will come out who are elected officials. and Let's start with one. Yeah. And just put it together and say, this is not a Republican-Democrat issue and should never be looked at that way. Senator, always a pleasure. Don't forget, we do this show Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, If big news breaks, we'll even do another day in there. Hit that subscribe or auto-download button wherever you get this podcast. Write us a five-star review so we can reach more people. And we'll see you back here in a couple of days. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.